where's all the cannabis? Where is it? Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now here's your badass host who raced Usain Bolt and won, Lynn Bravo. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Dead Set on Living podcast. I'm very excited for our guest today. She is the founder of Eves of Eden, the host and producer of Cannabis TV, co-host of High Friends podcast, and basically the boss lady of cannabis, Rachel Colick. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Lynn. That's quite the intro. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. So, Rachel, I listed off a bunch of the amazing projects you're involved in at the top of the intro, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little more about you and your role in the cannabis space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been working cannabis about four years, um, but I've been a brand strategist for over 15. So I've been running sort of a, a boutique strategy firm for quite some time, doing work in all different kinds of industries and all different kinds of work. Really very much a creative and a maker, I consider myself. And in the last five or six years prior to coming to cannabis, I actually specialized in working with female-led companies, which mm. is why you see that women are sort of a theme in a lot of the work that I do. Yeah. Uh, but, but about four years, I got the opportunity to apply my uh, brand strategy to the cannabis space. And I worked with Emblem, Max mm -hmm. Savitt over at Emblem. We worked for about nine months on developing their brand and I got hooked. Mm -hmm. I am a cannabis patient, so I was in a near-fatal car accident when I was about 21, and I was left with um, a bunch of compressed discs in my back and in my neck, um, severe sciatic pain. I was basically uh, dragging my right leg behind me after my accident and was in over two years of weekly therapies because of it. Um, and of course, they want to pump you full of a lot of opiates when these things happen to you. And I'm someone who even a Tylenol or an Advil I can feel in my body. I'm very, very sensitive to any kind of medications and things like that. And my boyfriend at the time, who later became my, my husband, um, suggested cannabis to help for the pain. And um, I can still recall that first session today. I took a couple of uh, puffs off a joint in his living room. And for the first time in over nine months, I was laughing and I felt pain free. And I was hungry, which for me was huge. The opiates and the stress and the pain had completely decimated my appetite and my will to really get out of bed in the morning. And so cannabis in that moment dramatically shifted my experience of life. And I have not gone back since. Wow. <laughs> so cannabis is the only quote, drug or pharmaceutical that I have used in the last 15 years for a number of different things. I really do credit for it for saving my life more than once, that being the first time and again, many times after that. So when I got the chance to work in cannabis, I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't, I hadn't really realized how far the business of cannabis had come mm -hmm. and how far the science and understanding of, of cannabis had come. And when I sort of got paid to learn where we were really at, it was difficult to think about going back to my regular day job when I knew that I could be over here helping to save the world, which I really believe that we're doing. So since that time, I have transitioned everything I do to the cannabis space. So that's why you can read off the five different jobs that I currently <laughs> have. Um, I'm really just uh, incredibly passionate about the opportunities that cannabis um, presents in so 
many different facets of life and business that I dedicate as much time as I can. So a couple of the things that I'm doing, I still do brand strategy. That's still my bread and butter, mm-hmm. working with licensed producers, ancillary companies of all sizes. Um, Leaf Forward is um, an accelerator for startups in the space. So that's my passion for entrepreneurs. Yes. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs. Half of my family is entrepreneurs. I really believe it's the lifeblood of the Canadian economy, and it will certainly be the lifeblood of this industry. Mm-hmm. So working with entrepreneurs, getting to see young and old people with really incredible ideas uh, that they're super passionate about, I think is a dream come true. The High Friends podcast, of course, yes. which you were so gracious to be a guest on, is a co-project uh, with my girlfriend, Jill Pollard, who is also a marketing person in the space who has her own brand called The Herb Life, a magazine. She's a, another badass lady uh, in the cannabis industry. And we just got together and thought, hey, want to do a I got some things to say and want to do a podcast together <laughs> and see if anybody cares to listen. And it's just been a dream and uh, an exceptional gift to sit with incredible women who are up to uh, incredible things with their lives and, and give them a platform to tell their stories. Eve's of Eden is a brand that I created when I was working um, uh, with Emblem really just to make things that I didn't see uh, oh, that I what, wanted. What sort of space. things? So the first product that we made uh, is called Crowns um, and it, they're patterned filter tips. So they're filter tips for joints. I'm a, I'm a chronic joint smoker, which you can argue the health benefits of that. <laughs> we, we could certainly go into that, but uh, it is my preferred method of consumption. I was a woman who likes interesting things and is a, is a designer. When I got into the space, I wondered why do they only come in brown and white? Why has no one ever thought of putting anything else on them? And so I sort of embarked on the process of trying to print things on a very small piece of paper. Um, I'm very passionate about the planet as much as you are, so it really mattered to me the um, the materials that we use. So crowns are printed on 100% recycled, uh, ancient forest-friendly post-consumer waste materials. They're mm-hmm. also recyclable and biodegradable, and they're printed with soy-based inks. I was so just going to ask what inks All very use. healthy, very <laughs> plant-based, nothing you have to worry about coming into contact with, and all of that really mattered to me. They're also produced 100% right here in Canada by uh, local artisans right in the area, which was also very important to me. So again, just really creating things and um, conversations, products, education that I didn't see available that mm-hmm. were really focusing on women and what women were really the most interested in. Although lots of men use crowns which has made me very happy as well so Eve's of Eden is is you know sort of another another brand that I that I do different things under as as well and then most recently the boss ladies of cannabis which is really a passion project about drawing more attention to the women uh, in this industry who have expertise in every single category and to put them on panels to invite them to be on a media appearance to hire them in your company so that we can create more diversity of thought and diversity of representation in mm-hmm. the cannabis industry as well and then cannabis TV what's that cannabis tv is something that i um is that fairly new yes so cannabis Mm -hmm. tv just launched in the fall of Mm -hmm. 2018 and i really it was i was approached by a company called boston jack productions they do a dozen other cable television shows um, right here in in a facility in mississauga and so they approached me and saw an opportunity to create a television show around cannabis cannabis Mm -hmm. education to get into the living rooms of canadians every day but they had no uh, understanding of cannabis or the legislation so that's really what i bring to the table they bring a, you know, um, a, a high level production. We have a, a studio with two cameras and everything in Mississauga, and I bring the understanding of cannabis and storytelling. And so, really, it's been it's been a very very interesting marriage, but a really interesting challenge for me. I've never done TV before, mm-hmm. and with the regulations that we're under, it's exceptionally challenging. I bet. Yeah, it keeps me up at night. Right now, it's the job <laughs> I spend the most amount of time on, but it's also one of the most exciting because mm-hmm. for me, getting to be in the living rooms of Canadians every week, mm-hmm. normalizing the conversation 
conversation around cannabis is exactly why I do this every day. Ah, oh, wonderful. That's amazing. Looking forward to seeing some of your Yes. Your, your well, you guys there. will be on it because, of course, we interviewed oh, Brendan. Right. Yes. Uh, your lovely uh, Brendan, who is awesome. just <laughs> genius and exceptional, at the Lyft show in Vancouver uh, just shortly. And so, yeah, we got the chance to chat with him about your aquaponics system, which was really fun to do. Yes. Great. So you're also, you were mentioned this earlier, but you're a mentor and advisor with Leaf Forward, which is Canada's first cannabis business accelerator. How important is something like Leaf Forward, especially now with legalization in full swings? Yeah. And if you can tell me a bit more about Yeah, Leaf what Forward. It is. So Leaf Forward um, was started by three uh, young gentlemen in the space who were actually came sort of from technology and they had an interest in cannabis and started a meetup. It really just started with a monthly meetup. And there wasn't anything like that really in the space so far. So everybody came and they got incredible speakers. Vic Newfeld was a speaker at, at, at meeting number one. So everyone wanted to come. I met the, uh, the guys in meeting number two and kind of went, who are you? And what are you doing here? And how can I be a part of it? I just thought it was such a great idea. The energy that they were creating was um, was really refreshing around the topic of business and cannabis and really giving entrepreneurs a space to come chat about what we were all trying to be up to. And so that really just turned into a long-term relationship where I've helped advise them on growing that program and the business of the accelerator that they're now inside of and, and how to run that effectively and how to um, help support entrepreneurs, which is something I've been doing for a very long time in my business. And I'm their brand strategy and marketing advisor and mentor for the cohort as well. So as uh, as you apply for the Leaf Forward program, you get some time with me to talk about oh, your business, which nice. is really fun. It means for me that I get to see some of the most exciting and creative ideas that are coming into the space before anybody else gets to yeah. see them. And it means really, you know, supporting entrepreneurs, which I really believe are, are key and a cornerstone to the success of this industry. Mm-hmm. So let's just divert now to something else. Like, what do you think is the one myth or misconception about cannabis use that you would want to set straight. Hmm. That's a great question. There's so many. There's so many that some people are still stuck on. But I think generally, uh, I like to talk about cannabis. I say all cannabis is medicine. I don't really love this conversation of medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. They are the same plant after all. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like saying there's medical oranges and recreational oranges. Like show me which ones are recreational and which ones are medical. You still get the benefit of eating an orange, whether your doctor told you to or whether you really wanted to. So as someone who has used cannabis for um, all kinds of therapeutic reasons and has seen it, you know, take action on other people's lives again in all in all kinds of ways. I, I really say all cannabis is medicine. And so I, I think we talk about more of this wellness space in the middle, which is really where the kind of the conversation is going. Mm-hmm. I think that idea of really, well, if you're if you're a patient, then it's okay that you use cannabis. Like, oh, well, well it's been prescribed to you, then I guess that's okay. Versus, oh, well, if you're using it, quote, recreationally, then you don't really need it. Mm-hmm. But I spend a lot of time asking people who say, yeah, no, I'm not a medical patient, but I do use cannabis recreationally. I say, great. So when was the last time you used cannabis and what did you use it for? Oh, well, when I came home to relax, I think, okay, great. To me, that's actually a therapeutic value. If you're mm-hmm. requi- if you are using it to de-stress, to, to disconnect your mind from your work at the end of the day, if you went to your doctor and talked about the stress that you're having and uh, how you can't stop your mind racing and things, 
they would prescribe you some kind of medicine and cannabis to me does a lot of, uh, a, a lot of those same things for people. And yet they don't see that as therapeutic in their lives. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm really enjoying and really li- would like to see the conversation sort of trend more to that, the, the many therapeutic values of cannabis and that regardless of what you decide to use it for, your body needs cannabinoids and it, there's always some benefit to, to the use of cannabis. And so that, that's really the conversation that I try and be an example of, because I, like I said, I, I use more cannabis than most of the bros they're trying to sell cannabis to right now. Um, I use it in, um, you know, a dozen different forms for all different kinds of things all day long and have for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm a great example of dispelling all of the myths you might have about cannabis. I'm not lazy. I'm not entitled. I run multiple businesses. I pay my taxes. My mother is proud of me. You know, <laughs> it's been a privilege and an honor to use my life as an example to mm-hmm. dispel the myths. And that's really what I feel like all of the work that I do is that's really the intent behind mm-hmm, it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I do hear, I still see a lot of uh, embarrassment when people mm. talk about it. And uh, especially women and especially mothers, because they seem to feel they're going to be viewed as being a bad mother if mm-hmm. they're using cannabis medically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on the High Friends podcast because so many of the women that we do interview are mothers. Mm-hmm. And some of them, even Jill talks a lot about her own experience of how out can you be when you're a mother when it was still especially an illegal substance and people there's so many people who didn't even know we had a medical regime mm-hmm. so the idea that even if you had a, pres- a prescription for the cannabis that that was something you'd have to then explain to someone to sort of diffuse a situation when they learned about your cannabis use and I think that is a great concern and, and I look forward to the days when we stop treating women uh, solely based on the fact that they have uteruses mm-hmm. and that that's you know the only the only thing to really talk about I think many women would say it, it makes me a better parent because it makes me more patient because it makes me more open because it makes me more playful you know all of these different things you know I think there's a lot of talk about baby on the hip and wine on the lips we talk about a lot of different ways to get a, a woman through the the rough days of motherhood mm-hmm. and I, I think it would be great for cannabis again I it, it is is a chance for us to relook at all of the beliefs that we hold and that idea that a little bit of bliss never hurt anybody (laughs) and whatever you might need to get through the day can we all just agree we've got enough to deal with that we don't have to deal with each other's opinions on what I might be using to get myself through the day Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I generally say to women you know use cannabis don't use cannabis whatever you feel like works for you I think uh, is is a really empowering place to just decide that I'm going to deal with my own body in the ways that I want to whether I'm a mother or not, mm-hmm. um, I think is really a, a place that I'd love for us to see women's health really focus on more. Is It's not just about whether I have a, a child or not. Yes, yeah. It, it always blows my mind, really, how often people who are, you know, have negative views towards using cannabis are also the ones that are, you know, on other pharmaceutical drugs for, oh, for yes. whatever reasons they need and they, to get through their day. Yes. And they don't see the how ridiculous it is to be having such negative thoughts about a plant when they're you know, either very dependent or addicted to pharmaceutical drugs, for example. Like, you know, even like for mothers again, too, is it not better to try and use something that's a medicinal plant that's less harmful to your body as a mother than it would be to be being prescribed to help cope with, you know, anxiety or stress using a pharmaceutical drug? To me, cannabis is just another amazing plant. It's a sacred plant. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, there's all kinds of plants I use to help my health or my well-being. Like I drink holy basil tea 
all the time. I drink chicory because it's a prebiotic. I use comfrey plants for, for helping with pain and, and joints and so on. And uh, turmeric to help create better immune system and so on. So I'm using a whole cornucopia of medicinal plants every day. Mm-hmm. And, and if cannabis is one of them, it seems to me so much more innocuous than using chemically derived medication. <laughs> yeah. Another toolkit in your wellness garden, right? Like it's just, it's just one more thing that you could use for a, for a, a healthy balanced life. I certainly mm-hmm. don't think it's a panacea for everything or no. that it's right for everyone. And you and I share many of the same theories around everything you put into your body is medicine. Mm-hmm. And so to think about all of the things that go into your body, even the thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. as well as the foods and all of the things that you ingest. I think it's interesting the opportunity cannabis gives us to second guess ourselves and to mm-hmm. look again at the things that we have taken for granted. And whole plant medicine has been what has um, supported us for thousands of years as a human species. And I think it's really interesting to see the hypocrisy, to see how we talk about something like coffee, also a plant. We talk about it like, oh, I'm not a normal person until I have my coffee. Oh, you better not talk to me until I have my coffee. (laughs) And we joke about it like that's just normal. But the reality is, is coffee is a drug like any other drug. It's something you're putting in your system that your system becomes dependent on. There's lots of scientists who would argue that if we found coffee tomorrow in the Amazon rainforest, it would be a schedule one drug. It's very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And yet again, sort of that comparison to cannabis. And that's why I'm so passionate and excited for the science. Yes. Science is what changes these conversations. It's, it really it becomes less about the moral question and the, whether you think it's okay or not, and more about what does the science tell exactly. us? Tell yeah. us yeah. Yeah. So there's been a lot of blowback from the public and consumers regarding the lack of knowledge and product availability with the Ontario Cannabis Store. Do you think this will eventually get better or improve? And I know I have my opinions on this, but I was just wondering what insights you might have on that. Yeah, it's been really interesting, hasn't it, to watch things since October 17th in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as the first, we're now sort of inside the first 90 days of a, of a brand new industry, and there has been many disappointments. Many of the people who are inside the system as patients are very disappointed in how this has affected their access to product, considering they were the ones sort of we built the system for in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that question of where's all the cannabis? Where is it? We've been growing it for uh, quite some time. Many of the largest companies who brag about their square footage every day have had several years to grow cannabis crops and have product available. Where is it? Why isn't why isn't it available? Why are we having such supply shortage problems when for the last five years, all we've heard everyone boast about is how much capacity they're going to be able to put out. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's concerning. I think for me, you know, we we could talk about my conspiracy theories around this. We could talk about the things that I think we're not actually saying to the public, the things that the LPs who are uh, mostly responsible for a lot of these shortages aren't telling us about the nature of their grow operations and how successful or unsuccessful they are or might be. We haven't had the conversation around what is the greatest way to actually grow cannabis and how many of us are actually doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And so are we producing a high quality product. We keep talking about how high quality it is. We keep wanting to charge 15 to $17 a gram for it. But the question is, will that really hold water? The consumers don't seem to be very happy. There are endless Reddit streams right now of people posting up their pictures of the cannabis they get in the mail every day. And Mm -hmm. it's incredibly embarrassing as someone who is an advocate of this industry and who has been really excited to share people with people the good news of cannabis and get get ready to buy it and incorporate it in your life to see that this is what they're being served and that that's what we're calling cannabis. It's been quite disappointing because I think we could have done a lot 
better if we were really concerned on creating a great product and not just on creating the the billions of dollars that everyone's waiting to cash in on. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there is millions of square feet currently being built out. So my hope and my assumption is we will get it together. (laughs) We will figure it out (laughs) that companies, um, even like Green Relief, you know, who are doing great things and are scaling up as fast as possible, will scale up and will add more production capacity Mm -hmm. and will start putting out more high quality product. I'm I'm really excited to see brands like Seven Acres and the work that they're starting to do now. But yeah, it's incredibly concerning. To, to me and, and I wish we would have more honesty and transparency in this industry because I mm-hmm. think customers deserve that and I think we need to start taking more accountability as an industry for what we're putting on the table you mm-hmm. know I think the, uh, companies like the OCS have a very difficult job to do we especially here in Ontario we sort of had a major pivot this last summer when we had an election and now all of a sudden you know the conservative party has to decide what they want to do with retail and their thoughts around retail are incredibly different than than the thoughts of the Liberal Party before them. And then just the time constraints to get all of this up and running. This mm-hmm. is like turning around the Titanic. It's a very big job for all of us. So I, I was actually a person who was hoping that they'd force us to take another year before legalization because I think we could have done a much better job mm-hmm. had we all had more time to plan. Yeah. But in terms of buying your cannabis from the OCS, I mean, I'm not a drinker, but I think one should ask themselves, when was the last time you went into an LCBO and got any kind of really great recommendations? That's what I was from someone who works there. Like product knowledge. Like, is it, I think if you're waiting for the point of sale to get product knowledge, that's not the place that you're going to find it. I think there are a lot of really great resources online. There are a lot of really great companies like Green Relief who are putting out education Mm -hmm. and trying to scale up the understanding for the average consumer, trying Mm -hmm. to make it approachable so that you know you know, what is the difference between this oil and that oil or this flower and that flower? And why is one three times as much? Or Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of THC CBD concentration should I be taking? That's something that we're still learning. So to expect someone who has a customer service role, which is really a frontline government employee, Mm -hmm. to expect them to have the level of knowledge and understanding that most people who are running these companies don't have, I think is unrealistic. But I also think they're very dedicated to educating their the people who work at their company. It doesn't serve any of us to have uh, or uneducated consumers wandering around with product that they don't know how to use mm-hmm. or that they won't be happy with. So I think all of the companies, Shoppers, Drugmart, all of the companies who are looking to retail this, they'd be silly if they didn't have the education of their employees in mind. So of course yeah. I believe that they do. Yes, and they will, I'm sure. But but there's more to it than just education. It's, it's relationships with your patients, right? The LPs, all their client care people have developed relationships mm-hmm. with hundreds and thousands of people now and they're getting feedback and they're looking and asking for feedback. The customer care groups have now got a huge database of who's using what and what's working and so on. So being able to provide some direction, sort of on-phone education of your patients is really important. And I just don't see that happening when you're when you're wholesaling someone else's product. You're not going to have the intimate knowledge of your product unless it's you that's being talked to, right? Yeah. So. And, and there's the question, of course, if we just look at cannabis not being special, And so retail environments, you know, exist in in every kind of CPG industry. And that idea that there's only so much shelf space. So not every producer will be available Mm -hmm. um, in every single retail store. And the way retailers make decisions about which brands and products they carry vary based on retailers. And like you said, the ways in which they decide to recommend products 
uh, to a consumer vary based on their own business strategies as well. So it's Mm -hmm. not always, like you're saying, sort of how we've dealt with the medical patients, which is really, well, tell me about who you are and what you're dealing with and what you've tried before. And we really try and create a protocol, you know, in, in adult use or recreational legalization, all of that has gone out the window. And I have the same fear I imagine you do with, which is, well, then all of the understanding goes out the window at the same time. And that's why we have people just picking anything, sort of a roulette wheel of, well, I guess I'll take that one, has a cool name and is a price point I can afford. I'll try that one. And then, you know, they get it home. They don't know how to use it. They don't know how it should make them feel. So they don't know if they had, you know, the right experience for that strain or or that cultivar or not. And then they don't know what to do next time. Mm -hmm. Well, do I go higher THC, lower? Like there's not really an ongoing conversation. And I think that is dangerous and it's actually counterintuitive to building a successful thriving consumer industry confused buyers don't buy Mm -hmm. it's literally sales 101 if i don't know what to buy or why and i certainly won't buy it at 17 dollars a gram because i I mean that's just an unrealistic expectation for any kind of market to bear certainly canadian consumers who are much more savvy so i think there's a lot of kinks we still have to work out in the retailing out to the mass consumers of canadians who want access to cannabis Um, and my hope is that more companies do step up with that engagement and conversation around what are you using it for and really incorporating the science that we do have um, to make recommendations instead of strain names or brand. Which which may very well be being mass produced for the rec market without any consideration as the grower as to, you know, its medicinal value Mm. or quality. Because because they're selling it wholesale, it's different. It's a different mentality. Yeah, right? they're not this. They're not responsible to the same degree. That's what I think. And they yeah. don't get the same amount of face to face in touch with their actual end consumers. Right. It really becomes the OCS's problem if you didn't like your product. Right. And I think that creates this disassociation of responsibility mm-hmm. for am I putting out a really great product every day that my customers are really going to come to rely on? And I think yeah, that to me is the biggest embarrassment and disappointment part is. That there's so many companies allowing not just subpar product, but some of the worst cannabis I have ever literally seen in my life and calling it top quality mm-hmm. and slapping a price on it that I haven't paid for cannabis in 12 years. Like it's a ridiculous ask to me. And it, it, to me, it's a demonstration of how little we actually care about mm-hmm. the customers we're asking to care about us. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Rachel, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming out and uh, and meeting with us today and having this chat. It was so informative and I feel like I really resonate with your beliefs and the kind of person you are. And I really look forward to seeing whatever wonderful things you you come up with and all the great involvement you have in all these projects you're working on and following you closely and listening to your podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Lynn. It's really been a pleasure to meet you and get to know you better. and, And thank you for inviting me on your show. It's really been a joy. Thank you. If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, 
a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.